Greetings, colleagues and friends. Cambria Evans here, the teaching and learning EMDR consultant. Y'all, today I want to talk about something that I think is probably the most common thing that comes up in EMDR consultation, especially after the confusion of EMDR basic training. I want to talk about what I think the reason is that most EMDR therapists are so nervous to do EMDR wrong, uh, to pick the wrong target, to use the wrong interweave, just the the fear that so many EMDR clinicians have. That's that's such a powerful fear that a lot of EMDR clinicians coming out of EMDR basic training don't even use EMDR. Uh, they go through this expensive, time-consuming experience to learn it, and it's like not even something that they feel powerful um, or, or safe enough to use. So I want to talk about why people get nervous. I want to offer some frameworks for y'all so that you don't have to feel nervous anymore because I do want you to use EMDR with your clients. It is one of the most powerful therapeutic modalities we've ever seen in our lifetime so far. So I hope today's episode feels helpful for you that way. Okay, let's get started. So if you are someone who's just come out of EMDR basic training, maybe you're getting certified, maybe you're already an MDR approved uh, consultant, everything in today's episode is for all of y'all. This is this is for all of us to sink in to our, our bones and our hearts. If we are a clinician, if we are a teacher, a guide, this is for everyone. So I want to think about EMDR and I want to invite you to stop doing a couple of things. I want to invite you to stop telling people to just read the script and everything will be fine. Because y'all know that's not true. <laughs> y'all know that's not true and I'm going to tell you why. The reason that's not true is because I believe that there are actually three kinds of EMDR clients, okay? Now, the first one is the one that we hardly ever see. This is the client who's coming in with single incident trauma with a secure attachment history. Now, for those of y'all that are getting these clients in your practice, congratulations. These are not the complex trauma clients that typically seek out EMDR therapy, okay? So for clients in bucket one, right, single incident trauma, clear target, secure attachment history, no relational trauma or complex trauma. Yeah, read the script, right? It, it's it's so straightforward. It's so magical. And this is kind of, I think, I think this is almost like what we are told in basic training is going to happen, that we're going to have this type of client with this one target and we're going to read the script and it's going to be fine and everything. Will, and, and sometimes that happens. Maybe that's happened in like, I don't know, five times for me in the last, uh, you know, five or six years. What's often going to come into your office are clients in bucket two and three. Bucket two are clients who think they're client one. They're the clients who think they've only had single incident trauma and they think they have a secure attachment history and no complex trauma. But the truth is, they're actually client in bucket three, which is the client that might be coming in for uh, a single incident trauma, but typically the client in bucket three like knows they have complex trauma, knows they have relational trauma, knows that there's multiple targets 
that we could choose uh, to desensitize with EMDR. Now, as somebody who has worked mostly with clients who are in buckets two and three, right? The complex trauma clients, the relational trauma clients, I have had to seek out an extensive amount of uh, consultation, additional trainings to understand how to work with these clients. And that process has felt overwhelming as a clinician because there was this message that I like should have gotten enough in basic training to do this. But what I know now as an EMDR consultant is that that's not true. That's not true. And so when we tell consultees or tell ourselves, just read the script, you'll be fine. I want us to all acknowledge that that is only true if we have a client in front of us who is categorized in bucket one, which is a single incident trauma, no complex trauma history, uh, secure attachment, no relational trauma history. Yes, read the script, okay? So knowing that there's different kinds of clients and knowing that we kind of walk away from basic training with this idea of like, I should be able to do EMDR, but only for certain kinds of clients. And maybe I got a little bit of case conceptualization training around clients who have complex trauma or dissociation um, or parts that need to be you know, worked out in therapy. I want to offer some relief. <laughs> I want to offer you some relief which I want to bring down the stakes a little bit, right? I, I think as therapists, we are responsible. We are mission-driven. We have a service-based heart. We want to do the right thing. We want to follow the rules. And I, and I love this about therapists. I love this part so much that, that we show up in this way. And so we're kind of stuck in this identity as a responsible rule-following therapist with tools that aren't going to be sufficient enough for us to help clients in buckets two and three, which is most of our clients. So what are we supposed to do with that? Well, we Im immediately kind of go into our case conceptualization options, don't we, right? So how do we case conceptualize? Well, if it's single incident, there is our target, easy peasy lemon squeezy. If it's clients in buckets two or three, we have to get more creative with how we case conceptualize. So maybe it's looking at current triggers, going back to the touchstone memory, right? Maybe it's this do the first and the worst, right? Or first or worst. Maybe it's go back to where something was learned or first experienced, right? The touchstone. All of those are not are not right or wrong. They're just options, right? But I think where we get stuck as clinicians is trying to understand which one of those should we choose with which client? And how are we supposed to know which one we're supposed to choose with, with which client? And it's gotten me thinking about how I work with my clients. And I wanted to share that with all of you so that you feel like you have some relief and clarity and some, and some courage and some steps to actually do EMGR with your clients in a way that feels safer and, and, and more comfortable for you. So if we were to zoom out, right? And we were to notice the message of just read the script or like, just jump in, like, just go to, just do first or worst, like start with, with the core memory, the touchstone memory. Some clients can do that. Some clients can totally do that and they're down with it and it's hard for them, but it's, but it's reachable. My clients, most of my clients, that's not their jam. And if you have clients that are like my clients, I want to offer you some ideas. So 
you know, Dolores Mascara offers this uh, really beautiful way to case conceptualize with the progressive approach, right? Where basically she talks about making sure that, yeah, there's this core trauma, right? There's this first or worst or touchstone here. But sometimes people can't start here, right? And so why don't we do something that's related, right? Like maybe this has a sud of a nine or a 10. It's, it's the it's the big one. And we know it's the big one. Like clinically for us to find this, it, it's it's not too hard typically, right? But here's the thing. Just because we can see this doesn't mean that's the place we should start. Okay, and, and here's why. If you look at any other process that is going to be rolled out if you look at any kind of science around um, uh, design or organizational development or even education, okay, you're going to notice something. You're going to notice if you pick up any peer-reviewed paper in any of these categories, you're going to notice that there is typically some kind of pilot study, right? There's typically some kind of trial. I mean, think about this with with COVID, with with the vaccines, right? It wasn't like someone was like, oh, I got a vaccine. Give it to everybody. Everyone's going to be great with this. That's not what happened. They they tested this one thing out (laughs) on different ages, different populations to make sure it was safe. And what we've learned, right, with the COVID vaccine is that certain doses and amounts and frequencies are appropriate for adults and that's different than with for kids and even there's different guidelines for kids under 5 we we still don't have a vaccine for kids under 5 they haven't figured it out yet but aren't we glad <laughs> that we didn't just say well just give them that one that should work for everybody right this is the equivalent in my mind of saying just read the script for every client it'll be fine just follow the script just trust the process okay that has limits. And I and I want us to be able to acknowledge that together and, and think about that with a clinical reasoning brain. Okay. Let's let's stop saying that. Or if we say that, let's put some more information underneath why that might work with certain people. If you think about any kind of rollout in a hospital or like a, a school. So I, I used to work at Stanford Medical School in the hospital. If we ever had any new curriculum, we would pilot that curriculum with a cohort of students to see how it goes, right? We would test out how is this going to go with this group, right? Then we would look at the data and say, okay, here's what we learned. Now let's roll it out to the general um, medical school class or medical school, right? Same with the hospital. If we developed a new way for uh, healthcare workers to communicate with each other, right? Let's say a new paging system or um, some kind of handoff system for rotating care teams, okay? We're going to design this and pilot this with one unit at the hospital. We're not going to say, hey, we have this thing. The whole hospital can just do it, (laughs) right? Because the ICU trauma unit or the burn unit or the cardiology unit is not the same, right, as a general floor, like general medicine unit. They're not the same, right? And we cannot equate a single 
incident trauma client with a secure attachment history and no complex trauma, we cannot put them in the same bucket as a client who doesn't know they have complex relational trauma and thinks they're single incident or a client who's well aware that they have a lot of trauma and there's many layers and there's many parts, many defenders. We cannot put them all in the same group. Just like we cannot put all different units of the hospital together and treat them all the same, just like we cannot put, um, you know, different uh, COVID vaccine groups together. If we did that, y'all, the results would be unethical, unsafe. We would feel bad about ourselves for making these generalized blanket ideas statements. I mean, it's, it's there's just you see where I'm going with this, okay? So what does that mean for us in the day-to-day as clinicians? Like, how how do we take that common ground and apply it to what we're doing to help us feel more comfortable, more safe, more ethical? Because this is who we are. We're these responsible, rule-following, good people. So here's an idea. What if, right? What if as a new clinician who just got EMGR trained, What if as uh, someone who maybe has been through basic training but going through certification, what if you had a way to understand what type of client you're working with? Well, they categorize people for the COVID trials and the vaccines. We we look at the differences in, in units at the hospital. Should be easy enough to write to kind of get a sense of how do we put those those people in those three buckets that I talked about, right? What if you were to put those clients in those buckets before you decided what to do as a step one, okay? And then what if you gave yourself permission as a newer EMDR therapist who doesn't know what you don't know yet to say, you know what I am? I am a damn good EMDR therapist and here's why. If you are a client in bucket two or bucket three and we figured that out with a little phase one history taking, little resourcing in phase two, you are always going to get a pilot. You're always going to have a trial. We're always going to have some kind of an experiment that's small, right? Before we roll everything out, right? We have a date with someone before we marry them, right? Small steps give us information, right? What if you were to just say to yourself, the way I practice EMDR with clients in buckets two and three is I always do a pilot. What does that look like, right? It it sounds good. (laughs) It sounds good, whatever you're saying. But like, what does that actually mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means revisiting Dolores Mascara's progressive approach when it comes to target planning, right? It's telling yourself, I am not starting with the first and the worst when it comes to a client in bucket two or three, because that doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense, and here's why. Someone with relational trauma or complex trauma is probably gonna have parts. It's probably gonna have defenders. I hope they do, because those things got them through what they've been through. They're gonna be there. They should be there, right? It's, it's how the person's with you now, physically alive. Okay, we know that's going to happen. We know that just reading the script as it is, right, we're probably going to come up against some bumps. And it might be the way I am relationally. It might be 
the interweaves I have to use, they have they may have to be more relational. I might have to do more noticing of somatic things, but I don't know any of that yet. And here's here's the thing. How could you know? There's no way you could know that. And we put this pressure on ourselves to know all of these things. And then we go into this freeze response of like, well, I don't want to hurt the client, but I'm supposed to do this, but I don't have enough information yet. You can give yourself permission as an EMDR clinician to give yourself information to make informed choices. And what that sometimes means is you have a policy. If you are a second or third bucket client, we do not start with first and worst. We do not go to the touchstone, right? We can do an experiment. What does that mean? Something that's related to the touchstone. Maybe it has a sud of like five or less but it's not the thing. It's not the big thing that we can all clearly see and identify, right? It's not relationship with mom and her abuse. It's not dad's drinking, right? It's something related to that. And it might be in the present day. But the reason we're going to do an experiment first is because the client needs to understand what is EMDR? And not just in the way that you're going to like show them an Andrea video or talk to them about it in the psychoeducational space. They need to experience EMDR as a way of helping their parts and defenders and relational trust in you sink deeper, deeper into their body. Because I will tell you when I have an experiment target or a pilot target with a client in buckets two or three, something magical happens. They learn EMDR in an experiential way. And they love it. They have a successful experience, right? They get to finish the target and have the experience of like, oh my God, that was amazing. That feels incredible. Let's do more, right? Just like if I was going to take my kids to swim class, I would not throw them in the deep end of the pool and say, y'all just go ahead and swim, right? I would ease them into it because I want them not to just learn how to swim. I want them to love swimming. I want them to internalize that swimming feels good to them and it gives them positive beliefs about themselves to actually swim. And so I want my clients to not just finish the target and like white knuckle through it with parts coming in and dissociation. I want my clients to freaking love EMDR, reach for it as a resource and have just PCs dripping all over them like diamonds. That's what I want. I want a completed EMDR target as a pilot to be their biggest resource. The the real experience of, I can do an EMDR target because I just did one. I know what EMDR is. I know I can finish a target. We have a gentle sense right? We've noticed together in this gentle experiment, this gentle pilot, what parts might come in a little bit, but it's not high stakes. I'm not throwing them into the deep end of the pool, right? We're we're waiting in to say like, who's showing up? Dissociation? Any protective parts? Critical voices? What's going on? Let's, Let's have a look because we're just waiting in. We're not up to here with water, okay? Relationally, if we do a pilot target, right? A related target. That's not this. Something magical happens, which is I understand relationally what they need when they process. I understand if they want me to shut up, (laughs) if they want me to say, that's right, you're doing great. If I want like encouragement interweaves, if they want me to do somatic interweaves, like 
I learned so much about how they process information because no one's brain is the same. I learn if they want to talk during... Pro- I learned so much about how this is going to work between us. That information is data that is going to inform the rollout, right? When the trial is over and we see how it goes and it's successful, all of that we learned about the process, the interweaves, the parts, the relationship, all of that's going to inform how we do this. And doesn't it feel so much better and so much more exciting for everybody to know what we need to go here, right? What do we need to go here? We're going to the deep end of the pool. Do you want to bring some floaties? I don't care if we start with a resource as long as we go in the deep end, right? I don't care how you swim. Just let me know what you need to do it. This is being client-centered, right? This is being nuanced about how we do EMDR. So if you have been in a basic training and you have heard go to first and worst, know that you don't have to do that as the first target. And with clients in buckets two and three, if you were my consultee, I would tell you not to do that as the first target for the reasons I've explained. And I want to give you a sense of a a process to get information for you and your client so that both of you can feel more comfortable. Now, is it going to be the fastest way to do EMDR? No, because you're doing a target that's not the target, but it's related. So we know that it's desensitizing something related. So in parallel, they're desensitizing. So that's great. But from where I sit and the clients I support, I think it's more valuable to have all that pilot trial information before I do the big rollout. Because if this hasn't happened to you yet, (laughs) it's happened to me when I go big or go home and someone hasn't done EMDR before, they have complex trauma, I don't know what's what, right? I can do all the history taking and assessment in phase two I want to do. I can look for parts. I can give them the DES in the mid. But at the end of the day, right, There is nothing for me more powerful than actually seeing how all of those assessments actually manifest in a processing session, right? Now, sometimes the experiments, right, with the set under five, we call that like low-hanging fruit. They go great. We learn a lot. We go on to the the first or worst or the the touchstone memory where something was learned or or decided. Y'all, sometimes experiments bomb, Right? We saw this with the COVID vaccines. They were like, we're going to have a vaccine for kids under five by February, okay? It is the end of March. But they did the study to get more information to make sure they were being safe, okay? Wouldn't it feel better to do a low-hanging fruit target like one of these guys with a sud under five or under four even and have it bomb and have that be the learning experience, wouldn't it feel better to, for that to kind of implode in our face rather than the big one? The ab reaction might be smaller. I don't know. It might give us as clinicians more confidence. But I would rather learn from a baby step that failed than jumping into the deep end of a pool, right? I'm, I'm risk averse in case you haven't... <laughs> figure that out in this conversation. 
okay? So I wanna give you this option because I don't believe this option is talked about enough. I wanna give you language to understand why this option might feel good for you and the client who are nervous. Because this is literally what most critical thinkers do when they are trying something new for the first time, right? It is it is why we have training wheels on bikes, <laughs> right? I mean, parents don't take their kids to the top of a hill on a bike with no training wheels and say, there you go. I mean, for me, with my clients that I see, this is this is literally the equivalent of saying like, oh, you've never done EMDR before? Let's start with the the worst possible traumatic memory we can we can find because that's the core. No. <laughs> that that is that is not what I'd recommend. So I want to give you another way to think about this. And at the end of the day, I want you to use your clinical reasoning brain. Okay? Because everything everyone's telling you comes from a positive place, right? We talk about this on the podcast all the time that someone that your mentor or consultant uh, respected or trusted told them to read the script and trust the process, told them to do case conceptualization in a certain way, right? In my basic training, I was taught to have the client write down every traumatic experience on a timeline by themselves and later learned that's just going to trigger them and light them up to see all that trauma in their face like that, right? So everything we're told has a positive intention at the end of the day. It's really our responsibility to kind of zoom out, look at other disciplines, and, and kind of understand like, what's the process we're using? And if I feel uncomfortable with it, can I notice that uncomfortability or that nervousness inside myself? And can I honor that and be curious about that? Maybe I'm the kind of clinician who needs to do a pilot with a complex trauma or a, a pilot target with a complex trauma client. And that's okay. <laughs> that's how I work, right? And it's been really wonderful in my practice. Very successful, right? Maybe you are the kind of clinician that, you know, that feels like it's too risk averse or too safe. And, and maybe you're fine rocking and rolling with reading the script and, and doing first and worst with every client, right? And I will tell you that should you have a client where that doesn't work for them, that's going to inform and impact how you are in the future. So I think there is something important about listening to those people who've had experiences with this. And there's also something important about valuing your style and your integrity as a clinician and how you want to work. So I want to give you choices so you can choose what's best for you. I want to talk about things that I didn't get to hear about when I was coming up. So hopefully that feels like it's in service to you. And if you have any questions about this, if something's confusing, if you're like wanting to know more about it, you are always, always welcome to email me and to reach out to us at Zero Disturbance. I read every email. I love hearing from y'all. And I love having clinical reasoning discussions. It, it is my passion. So I'd love to have one with you. So with all of that being said, y'all, please stay healthy and safe. I hope you have some really fun stuff planned this summer. I think we're having a little bit of space with the COVID surges. So I hope you have something fun on the calendar. Uh, and I will look forward to connecting with you next time. And I am rooting for your success. Take care. <laughs>